Welcome to the Hazel Rockets podcast, the number one golf podcast for new product launches, interviews with industry experts, golf trends, and more. Here are your hosts, Jen, Ken, and Bill. Hey, I'm Jen. I'm Ken. And I'm Bill. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's Hazel Rockets podcast. This week, our special guest is Greg Perry from Perry Physical Therapy and Athletic Enhancement. We're going to dive deep into physical health, especially on the golf course, and talk through stretching, nutrition, and more. I brought in Greg this week because I'm having neck pain, and since I'm having neck pain, I'm going to, you know, thought everyone could do with a little bit of help on physical therapy. Neck, neck pain, he's sitting right next to you, isn't he? <laughs> I'm her pain in her neck. Your pain <laughs> I somewhere. Just, yeah, I just said that. Maybe not the neck. Okay. <laughs> That's not where her pain was, though. Yes. Um, I'm not overstating things when I say we're really lucky to have Greg um, joining us in studio. He is highly regarded as being one of the best uh, physical therapists in the Sacramento area. He um, he is a physical therapist for um, some of the PGA Tour players. Yep. Um, and so... Um, Works with a lot of athletes, actually, professional athletes in the area. Yeah. So we're really lucky to have him in, in studio. For sure. Um, what should we start talking about? Ken? Well, hint, I, hint, hint. I know Ken? we've got a couple of uh, product introductions that aren't going to land until 2020, but have been released from the manufacturers in the last day or two. Um, so two that means you don't have anything to show us. I don't have, for the video of folks watching this, I don't have product to show. We will bring these in studio when they come out, but both of them I'm really excited about. The first is the brand new Betnardi line for uh, 2020. Um, it comes What's it out, called? So it, uh, they have traditionally had a BB series and an SS series, and they alternate years. So in 2020, the BB series is the one that's going to be replaced. And Can we get Mr. Betnardi on our show? I think we we're actually we we're talking to him. I think uh, we'll, we'll I think try we to have. I think we have been talking to him. I think we'll bring him on. Yeah, either Robert or Sam. It's a father-son uh, uh, family that runs that company. Um, but I have some photos of them that I'll pass around. The, the new one coming out next year is this really dark smoke color. And what makes Betonardi putters so cool is that a normal putter uh, that's milled like that, they mill the head and then they mill the hosel and then they... Um, stick uh, them together. They stick them together and then solder them together. And Bob Bettinardi, for the longest time, mills the hosel and the head all in one single piece. Which is why they're a little bit more expensive. They are. Because it's a lot more material that's used for each piece, It is. They waste a lot more steel in that process. Because out of a normal billet of steel, you might get four, five, six heads. With him, typically, it's just two because they build them in a mirror image of one another. Um, And so the... the, uh, But it's just better it, it, do, it doesn't have to be soldered there's no hand welding it's it's literally one common piece of uh of material and i believe you know their putters are like jewelry they're gorgeous and and i actually have to agree with you i think betnardi makes an absolute stunning yeah. um putter um i'm i'm hopeful that we schedule um you know betnardi to get on the show um as soon as the new line get in, get, is introduced. Um, those of us who watch us on the Morton Golf Sales YouTube channel um, will really get an opportunity to see the yeah. new line of putters. I'm talking about something we don't even have scheduled yet, but um, they're, they're just works of art, don't you think? I mean, oh, they're, they're just yeah. beautiful. Gorgeous to look at. Uh, the feel is fantastic yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 So I'm yeah. excited. When are these expected? January 20th is going to be the launch date. So awesome. not, not too far away. And then the other probably even bigger one is the brand new uh, Cobra Speed Zone. And those are going to be coming out on the 17th of January. Um, but uh, again, I've got photos of them. Um, what's super cool is that on the face of it, their current model that they have, they've actually... Um, this is interesting, everybody. Yeah, they've actually milled a circle in the middle of it. And, and what they're trying to do is milling is more exact than forging or casting. They can get, can get it in exact science. And so the current wood that they have, the very center of the sweet spot is milled, but the rest is not. On the new one, the whole face, all the way wrapped around the edges, is all milled. So they can actually get it even thinner yet. I'll show Bill... 
The but it's eight, not the, just a circle. Oh, wow. It's like a figure eight on it's top actually, of and that. It, it's, and it's called infinity milling. And oh, so yeah, what, what they're doing is they're actually able to thin the face out even more all the way to the edges and then around the edges. And again, the thinner you can make that face, um, the more rebound effect you can and the more ball speed that you'll get. So um, it's a fascinating design. It really um, is. Yeah. Is it only going to be on the speed zone? It's only on the speed zone woods, yeah. So their, their uh, FMAX Super Light replacement golf club won't have that. But uh, um, I can try to maybe bring this up to the camera for those watching. Um, you'll see a little bit of that milling marks. I think it's I think it's pretty fascinating. We haven't put it on the TrackMan yet um, for testing, but um, I have high hopes for it. It's, it has a really high uh, CT. It's it's going to go really far. With all of these faces being this thin, are these clubs at risk of failing or denting or breaking? I mean, it just seems like everyone's getting thinner and thinner and thinner. I mean. At what point are, do they become too thin? Well, again, the USGA um, has a limit to CT, and what they're all doing is in the manufacturing process, trying to manufacture golf clubs so that they are all right up to the limit. It used to be that, you know, um, the manufacturing tolerances were such that you could have two drivers side by side, and one might be right up to the limit, and one might be you know, two tenths of a percent or, you know, a couple percent lower than the limit. And they came off the same manufacturing plant with the milling and, and a lot, you know, not just them, but with a lot of the different vendors now with the manufacturing tolerances that they're doing, like with TaylorMade, with them injecting the, the, screws, uh, the yeah. screws in there in the face of their current wood line. What they're doing is just getting the tolerances as close to that limit as they can for every driver that's coming off the... Much more exact than yes. they were once upon a time. It, there's no doubt about that. Interesting. So, yeah. And uh, this is our Thanksgiving show. So we want to give thanks to our listeners and our viewers for joining us. I don't know where I'm coming from with that, but I'm just going to say it. Um, okay. One of the greatest things about golf, in my opinion, is that it can be enjoyed throughout um, a person's life. Unlike other sports, which as we grow older, we kind of become less quick, um, we get more injured, we get where we just kind of age out of it. I don't know. Okay. I think she's We're getting old you. and slow. Okay. All right. You get old and you get slow and you get hurt and what you just can't do it. What if we were slow when we were young? I guess we're just getting old then. Okay. I all resemble right. that remark, but anyway. Go yeah. Ahead. All right. Okay. The game of golf has been shown to provide tremendous health benefits, including, I'm leaning into our guest speaker, by the way, so okay. um, so it's been uh, proven to uh, provide tremendous health benefits, including improving one's mental well-being. So it keeps the mind alert uh, when, I mean, just figuring out risk-reward, which I'm not very good at because I'm a gambler, so I'm always like, I can make it over that lake even though I could never make it over at Lake because I can't golf. Um, but, you know, trying to figure out the risk-reward of, you know, figuring out a certain shot helps keep your mind sh sharp, tallying up your scores as you age, you know, that type of stuff is, is really good. Um, playing golf reduces stress, reduces anxiety, um, taking a, just walking outside um, is really beneficial, being in the fresh air, it's great exercise. The World Golf Foundation estimates that golfers who walk, no, neither of you guys walk, but golfers who walk an 18-hole course. I walk to the cart. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> walk about five miles and burn up to 2,000 calories. I would like to say, yes. so historically, we've, we've gone up into Bandon Dunes, and we talked about it on the show, and played a whole bunch of series of rounds of golf together, and uh -huh. they don't have carts at Bandon Dunes. I think Bandon Dunes should start sponsoring us with the fact that you guys yes. seem to inject yeah. that course so in every single one of our both conversations. Both of us are close to death at the end of that trip, but we do walk. walk. Like, How often do you guys play Bandon Dunes? Once, lately, not not lately, but yeah. we were once going. every two or three years. Yeah, we probably got we're, kicked off that trip because we were walking slow. Would yeah. be my guess. We so, were yes. going having a big trip once a year. Yeah, okay. but Kenny and I haven't gone for the last few. But yeah, yeah, we, okay. we can walk and we do. And I, yeah. 
I don't know. She's rattling off all these statistics here and talking about that golf is a stress reliever. Um, clearly, whoever wrote that hasn't hit a ball into the bushes or the woods or hooked one out of bounds. But I do see there are some benefits for sure. It is a game of a lifetime. There's no question about that. I say that often. And it transcends age. Um, and Kenny, I have a great example of, you know, you can meet some of the, your closest friends through golf. And it doesn't matter how talented you are or not talented or your age um old or young because golf is the central point and it, it really makes a difference and you can play with someone that's a teenager all the way until you're how close we were with our golf coach yeah. in his 80s when we were younger and it just uh, it's a special game and sport for sure yeah it's an opportunity yeah. to meet new friends stay connected with um old friends um i mean it's just an opportunity that can stay with you for a lifetime so I thought it would be really nice to bring in our guest speaker today just to go through um, the fitness aspects of golf, what major muscle groups are involved in the, in the sport, and maybe get some tips on how we can improve our endurance um, and avoid injury on the golf course. So that being said, I want to introduce our guest today. Uh, Greg Perry. Greg Perry is a physical therapist, MS, and certified strength and conditioning specialist, and he is the clinical director for Perry Physical Therapy and Athletic Enhancement in Sacramento. Greg has earned degrees from UCLA and Duke University and has completed an extensive postgraduate education in orthopedic rehabilitation, exercise science, and manual therapy. His resume includes experience in orthopedic, sports medicine, and neurological settings, and he has honed his skills on five different continents. Basically, he's pretty well-traveled. His unique and progressive treatment philosophy is further influenced by his experiences as a former professional athlete, coach, consultant, and educator. Greg is a Titleist Performance Institute certified professional and is fluent in Italian and conversational in Spanish and Danish. So, that's pretty impressive, right? That's an incredible resume and an incredible introduction yeah. Yeah. for someone well-deserving. Exactly. Yes. So with that, we would like to welcome Greg to the show. Great, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Even though I would love for this whole segment to be just, you know, you working on my neck pain, I don't think that our viewers would necessarily appreciate no. that segment. You probably need to get a massage from Kenny for something like that. He's terrible at massages. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I knew that's why I People said People are that. only terrible at massages when they don't like to give them. Right. That's intentional. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, this is turning to a therapy session. <laughs> the wrong kind. Yeah. All right, let's dive in. All right, do you think it's important to stretch prior to um, teeing it up on the golf course? Uh, quite the opposite. Really? Um, yeah. Um, it's really important to warm up. But uh, when you stretch, you're taking a muscle and you're making it a little bit longer and you're effectively making it for about an hour weaker. So your, the body doesn't produce power from that specific muscle that you just stretched um, the way it would normally. If it's warmed up, really important. If it's stretched, not so important. What's the difference of warming up and stretching? So warming up is just getting moving. You know, you can warm up your legs by going on a walk, going on a jog, doing little squats, that kind of thing. But to stretch, you would do, say, a hamstring stretch where you bend over and touch your toes or a quad stretch where you bend your, your foot behind you. Um, so those are stretching out the muscles and the muscles are all made up of like a bunch of little fibers have these little hooks and if the hooks get stretched they some of them come apart and they can't kind of pull on each other and create power on a long-term basis you lose a little bit of strength like down the line if you're really overstretching something but there's certainly a short-term basis as well and that said it's incredibly important to warm up they did a really cool study of PGA pros where they had um, some of them not warm up hit 10 balls some of them warm up with just kind of basically getting your body moving and then another um, group of them do band exercises and there's about a five yard difference in driver distance for those that warmed up and didn't over the course of those 10 balls on average first one was probably bigger but. wow yeah that That's... explains so much of why i've played poor golf my whole life is because i stretch <laughs> beforehand 
Really? Um, I'm sure that's it. Doesn't affect your cutting at all. (laughs) No, we just haven't got there yet. I'm sure you're going to say that too. So, yes. Wow, that's actually interesting. That's completely opposite of where I thought we were going with this. So, when you have stretched, you mean you've bent over and touched your knees? (laughs) Okay. Um, It's all about levels of stretching. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it meets every individual's body. Yes. uh, if I can go kind of nerdy for one second, though. Please go full nerd on us. Okay. Yeah, we um, talk about Star Wars all the time on this show. So do you really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so there's a difference between stretching a muscle and um, what we call um, uh, mobilizing a, a body part. So, for example, your um, hamstring, you bend over and touch your, uh, t- try and touch your toes and you stretch your hamstring. But you'd also potentially be bending your low back forward, right? And so if you're, le- lo- you're, if you're moving bones, generally we, we don't refer to that as stretching. And so for a golfer where that's applicable is that someone who's like trying to turn, you're not stretching a specific muscle, um, uh, you're trying to turn your spine. Um, and moving the bones one on top of another is a different deal. That's, that you can consider warming up some. Um, and so, uh, but stretching, you know, doing uh, hamstrings and stretching your, your chest and so forth, that's the stuff that we tell people not to do. So you do uh, physical therapy for, you know, major athletes. Our, our mutual friend, Kevin Sutherland, has played the tour forever. I know he comes in and sees you. What would be your advice on kind of his pre-round uh, routine based on this, this information you're giving us? Yeah, it's that it has changed a lot over time just because, you know, the, the PGA guys now have a trailer. And both the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, and Champions Tour is full of people um, pre-golf. And so the suspicion used to be that you didn't want to kind of do any exercise and get worn out and so forth. Um, but now everybody goes in and does something. And so Kevin is not unlike a lot of the guys. He'll go in and get on a treadmill or a bike or something for 10, 20 minutes and then do a little bit of moving of his upper body. So moving the, uh, um, the thoracic spine, the part where your rib cage is attached, where you do most of your turning in a golf swing. He'll do some of that. And you might do some light strength, uh, strengthening exercises and then go out and... Um, uh, to the course and do his golf warm up, and that might be thirty minutes. It might be forty five minutes, um, hmm. but it's really common now. That's interesting. What recommendations would you give our listeners on how to avoid excess strain on their muscles and joints during the game, so that you you don't get injured out there? Yeah, the first thing. I mean, if you're if you're warm, that's the first thing. Okay. Um, just from kind of a physical s- standpoint, um, the second part of it would be be better. Um, frankly, the, the, if you take just the same individual and you get their swing just a little bit more efficient, um, they're going to be less likely to hurt themselves. There's lots of data on how much, say, a PGA Tour professional um, uses musculature during a golf swing. Um, if you put uh, almost any given muscle um, that you use in a golf swing on a graft, and when it goes, the graft goes up high, they're really using the muscle, and when it stays down low, they're not. The PGA person, the graph goes room, room, it goes up and down pretty quickly, and there's no kind of excess uh, muscle use. For an amateur, the muscle use is all over the place. They use a lot more muscle and they use it sporadically. And so, the more that you get um, proficient with a golf swing, the better off you are. The less likely you're going to hurt muscles, the less likely you're going to hurt joints. So that's number two. So get um, get warmed up, um, get as good a golf swing for your body as you can, and then make sure that you're addressing whatever kind of physical thing might be going on with you. That's that's certainly the third thing. I would imagine the amount of shots that you're putting the body through has some level of impact too. Whether you know if you're making <laughs> seventy two shots, and, you know over the course of a round, that's some impact. If you're shooting one thirty, that's just a whole lot more effort that the body's going through. Absolutely. And as you guys probably know, the guy who's shooting 130 is taking a whole lot more practice swings. Yeah. So mm-hmm. his 130 is... There's a level something. of efficiency. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it, Kevin, in fact, doesn't take a practice swing. Wow. Grabs a club, walks up, looks at his target, hits it. Maybe that's been my issue all yeah, this time. Must be too many practice <laughs> swings. Yeah. That okay. and, and hitting the ground six inches behind the ball. <laughs> 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 We're going to come up with a solution at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yes, thank you. We haven't (laughs) talked about my putting woes yet. (laughs) I was talking about six inches. (laughs) (laughs) 
How can golfers work to increase their flexibility and coordination? So stretching clearly for their flexibility. Um, and again, I'd, I'd reemphasize that the if, if we made just kind of a very general statement that the average person that is alive today is losing mobility through their upper back, which is the most important part of your body for a golf swing. And so because we all stare at a laptop, stare at a phone, stare at a computer, we're all kind of, kind of getting hunched over a little bit more. And when your upper back starts to really hunch over, you lose the ability to turn. And so for a lot of us, as you're younger, that's, there's some plasticity there, meaning that that hunched over part, you can still correct. You can still get upright posture and be able to turn if you put some emphasis on it. Um, but as you get older, you start to lose that elasticity. You start to get kind of stuck, hunched over, right? And so we've all seen kind of older folks who are pretty hunched over and walking with their head, kind of forehead towards the ground. That um, wall's kind of like at 51, right? 15 and a half. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And gravity wins that battle. So eventually <laughs> you start getting hunched over a little bit because you're looking at a phone all the time. Eventually gravity just kind of keeps pulling you down and it becomes harder and harder to kind of get upright. What should you be doing then? Uh, I mean, if you are on the computer like I am um, all day, what what can you be doing proactively to try to counterbalance that? First, you should file a major lawsuit with your employer. I demand it. Totally right on that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be counterproductive. Let me tell you, uh-huh. based on your last name. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, the first thing you should do is actually it'll give you the thirty second ergonomics yeah. lesson. Um, if what you look at is at an adequate height that it supports good posture. So it's at eye height, they're just slightly above. And what you have to touch, the keyboard or the mouse, is does the same thing. Neither of them drag you into that position, but they both allow you to be here. Then that's kind of all you need for ergonomics. So if your screen is high enough and the, the keyboard or mouse is someplace you can um, uh, touch it without having to kind of put your arms too far forward and bring your shoulders forward, then you're going to be in good shape. A lot of people, you know, are moving to those standing desks and yeah. such. Would you recommend those over the Absolutely. sitting? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we, um, the, the standing desk is way better than sitting, um, but eventually there's, you know, we're, we're not intended to stand for eight hours either. So right. the, the perfect job is one that's kind of like mine in, in this regard, in the sense that like, I'll lie down every once in a while to, to show someone an exercise, and then I'll go sit in a chair, and then I'll stand up, and I'm moving around all the time. So the perfect job is one where you're changing position all the time. You're not stuck in one spot. And then looking on your cell phone the whole day um, is yeah. is definitely messing up people's necks. I think that's probably my problem with my neck. You just need to hold it up here. You just need to go like yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. Or get one of those, what are those things where you have little selfie sticks? Oh, right. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what I need. Problem is, is our vision isn't good enough to actually be able to read it that far away. So. Actually, yeah. lately, that's uh, all I've seen you doing is holding your phone out like that to read your phone. That's the problem with my golf game. Oh, there we go. Another problem. So. You keep putting your finger on these problems. <laughs> I, I have one question. So you said yeah. stretching, as Jennifer asked. So, but we're not talking about stretching before the actual round. So, like a daily right. stretch is something that you should be doing to yeah. keep your, keep your mo- you know everything limber and right. Okay. Um, but there's a difference between, and this is you know when I, when I talk about this stuff, I, I love to say this because it makes everyone crazy. Is that um, especially if you go to a group of people who are tend to be, tending to be more flexible. So younger folks and females are generally more flexible than males, and, and as we get older. Um, in that the priority usually isn't going to be on um, stretching per se. So getting your upper back so that it turns, really, really important. Um, especially for guys, getting your hips so they can turn in is really, really important. Those two things, because those two things are um, critical in sparing um, low back issues and sparing your neck when you swing and sparing your shoulder and so forth. If you have adequate mobility through your upper back and through your hips, you're in pretty good shape just in terms of your mobility, in terms of your flexibility when you're swinging a golf club. Um, uh, the rest of it is um, about strength and coordination and balance and agility and so forth. Good. Answer my question. All right. Is there certain things at certain seasons, either colder weather, warmer weather, that are uh, that you should be doing differently throughout the year with yeah, your golf game? Yeah, that's going to be my next question. When it's colder outside, do you need to do more to warm up your muscles? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and a lot of our clients, you know, the we we see, of course, golfers who are getting older and so forth and who are kind of trying to figure out how to keep doing what they did 10 years ago now and with an aging body and so forth. And that's part of it. We just, 
you know, it, it might, I've got a 19-year-old son who gets out of the car, sitting for an hour, walks up the first tee and swings as hard as he possibly can, and it just hurts me on the inside. <laughs> um, for most of us... And not him. It doesn't hurt, yeah. He's, he's fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, it hurts us just getting out of the car. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. Mentioned okay, anyway, um, yeah, so the, you know, if you... In an ideal world, you get to your golf course a half an hour beforehand, and you go for a walk, and you putt a little bit, and the last thing you do is go to the range to warm up so that you stay warmed up when you get to the first tee. Um, but aside from all of those things, you know, we're, we're uh, advising people on uh, these little patches that you can wear. They're called Thermacare that you can stick on your low back that's like a 12-hour heating pad or on your neck or on your shoulder and so forth just, just so you stay warm up, warmed up the entire time. Or the you know good kind of thermal type clothing helps a ton, a ton. Being cold in the round of golf, it seems like a bad uh, thing then, because that's going to help shrink those muscles, I would guess. Absolutely, and and maybe more important, Ken, is that um, right now my personal belief is that like just from you know having done the the physical therapy for a while, it seems like we all have at some age, you know, 35, 45, 50 or something, you start to get some wear and tear in your joints. Everybody has it. And um, a lot of those, a lot of us, a lot of folks who have that kind of stuff will go through their life and never know that they have some wear and tear. You know, they got a little bit of degeneration in their hip or their knee or their shoulder or their back. And until they do something to provoke that one body part, they may live their entire life and not know that their body's wearing out. It's just how we age. And you can... Um, provoke that joint way easier when it's cold. Um, your body just, if you're, the joint is essentially lubricated because you're warm, it's warm, you're less likely to find like the, you know, the grumbly shoulder that you might otherwise find on a cold day. Probably similar to an engine in a car where it, it just has to get warm and yeah. And yeah. yeah. So what are the common injuries you see in your practice? Um, that come in for, for golfers specifically? Yeah, so low backs, like universe everyone has a low back pain um, and with golfers in particular and it's um, uh, that would be first neck would be second knee and shoulder would be third and fourth and then stuff like golfers tendonitis and so forth golfers elbow and those kind of things and that just seems universal not not just for golfers but just overall I mean those are yeah. the injuries I think we're all complaining about yeah it, it's uh, I think about a 90% um, uh, incidence rate of if you live in America, you're going to have low back pain at some point in your lifetime, and you'll lose some day of work or recreation at some point in your lifetime. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's uh, epidemic, and... It was a design flaw, I think, low, low back. <laughs> um, it wasn't designed to be on two, two wheels, on two legs, for sure. Um, but since it is, we, we, there's the countries that don't get these kind of problems, and there's countries that have less of this than America does, um, essentially, they in their work, they're changing position all the time, like I alluded to before. So every six to ten minutes, they're going from standing to sitting to walking to lying down. And they don't sit in a chair or stand at, you know, as a checker at Costco or something all day long. They're moving all the time. Um, and so we are either going to figure out how not to kind of plop be in one spot all the time, or you figure out how to address the rest of it, how to kind of get yourself so that it can sustain that that prolonged one spot. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. I was just about a week ago reading a story about uh, a assembly line and how it used to be that, you know, you would go and you would screw on the same part over and over day after day, eight hours a day, and now every 30 to 45 minutes they're rotating to different places and they find the efficiency mm -hmm. and the health of their employees is dramatically better because they're doing different motions and are in different positions and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. somebody listened to your advice. Or Clearly. I listened to theirs. Yeah, <laughs> <there you laughs> um, another aspect I just wanted to talk to you about is just diet. I mean, how can diet help with um, and proper nutrition? How can that help overall with, yeah. with, with all of this? Um, it, so we, we talk about this a fair amount a bit too. Um, and it really depends on kind of your goals, you know. So the the professional golfers, the real high level golfers, have maybe a different goal than the the guy who's just going out with his buddies on the weekend and so forth. And um, but if if you're trying to optimize golf, um, the 
the idea is really to have as sustained an energy level as possible through your four and a half hours or whatever it is of, of golf. And there's, you know, there's a handful of things that are pretty simple that you can do. Um, uh, number one is that you try not to spike your energy nor um, decrease it too much. And so you spike your energy by having foods that are really heavy in sugar, that your body will um, will absorb really fast, will produce a lot of insulin, that'll store all the sugar, and then your body will crash, and you'll crave more carbohydrates, more sugar. Um, and so if you're not having anything that's too, too sweet, like before or during the round, then you're more likely to have a sustained um, energy level. Uh, if your body's also not using too much, too much of its energy to digest, and so something that's a meal that's really fatty, really heavy, there's just energy that has to go there. Um, and so, you know, a, a big old pancake breakfast with sausage is going to play a lot different when Billy. you're playing around a golf. <laughs> this is Well, I'm, I'm sure that's not his game day meal. <laughs> that, that would this be his game day <laughs> meal. <laughs> yeah. I think I've found the solution to playing better golf, finally. Have you? Yeah. I have to eat differently, clearly. Okay. So. Or maybe, you know, being a 10 handicap is okay. Go I don't know. Well, that's all right. So, yeah, that's all right. So if you have something that's that your body can kind of, um, that will slowly release into your body throughout the course of, you know, bef maybe if you have a big meal, it should be at least three or four hours beforehand. Um, and if you don't have that, then you just want something that's small enough that your body can digest throughout, you know, the course of the round and then maybe supplement it with snacking during the round. And snacking would be stuff that um, doesn't peak your sugar again, it's not too sweet and it's not too heavy. And so that might be stuff like, you know, nuts and a banana, something like that, that, that you can digest pretty easily um, and that won't kind of crash your glucose level. Something like, I mean, what, so what would be like a decent meal? Um, uh, like before? the three or four hour before? Yeah. Um, so it'd be something that has generally about um, complex carbohydrates, about 50% of, of um, what you're taking in would be great. That's kind of, you know, that'd be like a, and I'm Italian, so I have a hard time saying this, but a whole wheat noodle um, with a, you know, with a tomato sauce or something right, like he that. He just lost me. I know. I'm I don't off, believe me. The, I'm off the Perry train all of a sudden. <laughs> well, so no, yeah. it's not like I've ever, <laughs> I, have, I don't think ever had a whole wheat noodle, um, but, but that would be a great way to kind of, you know, brown rice. How about that? That's okay, better. That's better. All right. Right. Um, I'm, on, I'm back on. Or a whole good whole wheat bread or something like that with a little bit of light, low fat um, protein, that kind of thing. Like a turkey sandwich or like something. Like a turkey sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. But not for breakfast, before morning round. Yeah, so it depends on, like, if you're going an early morning round, you're probably not getting up four hours beforehand to have a meal. Right. And so having something light, you know, having what, an oatmeal with some bananas and nuts and that kind of stuff would be great. And then... Um, it's doable. Yeah. Or you get up at 2 a.m. and have pancakes and sausage. If, if that is part of the routine, then absolutely. Well, pancakes and sausage is not, but he's just suggesting that you eat beforehand. As long or as four, four hours before. Or negotiate more strokes. That's the yeah. other alternative yeah. to this. Certainly. Oh, goodness yeah. um, The other thing I mentioned along these lines, since we're from Sacramento, in Sacramento, yeah. is that um, water is that you lose about. Well, it depends on how hot it is, but you can lose a couple percentage of um, your hydration during a round of golf on uh, with sweating and so forth. And if you don't supplement that, when you get to about three percent, four percent of your body weight in water, you really have like severe changes in, in your ability to focus and so forth. So. You're having water, and beer is not water, by the way. So water, water. Yeah, beer is very dehydrating. Yeah. I, th I think I'm always dehydrated. That's why I lose my focus so easily. I'm sure that's it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other recommendations for our listeners and viewers today? Uh, not really. I think more along the same lines would just be that the, for us, the hardest thing, you know, as a physical therapist is that. Um, and one that sees a lot of golfers is you see someone who's worked their you know their whole life they're retiring they're going to go out and play and they get new clubs and all of a sudden they go from playing once a week to three times a week and their body doesn't take it and it's just really hard because they you know they've this is what they wanted to do they live near the golf course they're going to go out all the time and so forth and they break down someplace mm -hmm. and there is a the good news about how your body works with a golf swing is it's pretty mechanical if you if you put in the time to figure out where your deficits are, where you might break down when you're swinging a golf club, if you've got a bad neck or a bad hip or a bad back and so forth, and do something to address it and make a plan, you're just, you know, you're, you're able to have more golf swings in your lifetime, which is the goal of a lot of our folks. 
And so, you know, you, when, when you see someone who feels a little bit helpless about that, you just want to kind of... Okay, so that is going to bring me to a, a follow-up question. Uh, when, when's the point where you're like, oh, I'm sore, or I hurt, or this doesn't feel right, I'm just going to take a couple of Tylenol or an Advil, versus, yeah, this has been hurting for X amount of time, I need to go see somebody about this, or... Um, uh, you know, where's that, that point? Because I know you and I sitting on this couch probably go, yeah, it's, it's been a couple of years. Maybe we should get this addressed, versus, which is true, versus... That's too short of a window of time. <laughs> <laughs> versus, you know, a lot of other people out there who are like, you know, this is bothering me. I will go get it checked out right away, which is probably a little bit closer to, to when you should have something addressed. So what, what's your recommendation on that? So... It really depends on the individual and what exactly we're talking about. There's, <clears throat> there's some things that as you, you know, all of our patients who are um, uh, up there a little bit in age, and when you get to, uh, I don't know, 50s like I am, 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's not uncommon to have folks that just have kind of grumbly stuff. They've got a, they've got a knee that's kind of always bugged them. Um, and, you know, from our perspective, there's nothing hurts for no reason there's a reason for it to hurt. And sometimes it's not addressable, um, but a lot of times it is. And uh, generally if it is, um, and this is sometimes hard for the person to kind of identify for themselves, but when we look at something where somebody, we're asking that same question, is this addressable? And um, at what time frame and what cost? Meaning that for the average person who, who comes in to do physical therapy and the average golfer, uh, they may or may not want to spend any time addressing, you know, they, uh, they may want to spend, not spend any time addressing their specific thing with something like exercise. They just hate it. And they'd rather be on a golf course putting for as long as they can. And then when they can't, um, then they're not going to do the exercise. That's, that's really kind of common. And so one of the conversations we have with everybody that comes in with any kind of malady is that what, how important this is, is this for you? And we try and lay out what the cost might be eventually of letting something go. So someone, for example, who has like a tendonitis in their elbow that just matter, you can wear a brace for it. You can take anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen or a pain reliever like Tylenol or um, get it warm and so forth. Um, eventually, it may get severe enough that they have to stop playing golf. And if it's a little tiny thing initially that seems to resolve when they're not playing golf and it comes back the next time and so forth, it may not be a big thing. But eventually, you know, if it snowballs a little bit, um, then it becomes something that is is a problem for them and for their life. Um, it's more likely to happen with someone with a low back thing, um, a neck thing. You know, if you have a low back problem, if your back hurts every time you play golf, and then you kind of get over it and you're 40, uh, that's fixable. But when you come into a physical therapist's office when you're 60, now it's a lot harder. You know, now the, the deficits are big enough that they're harder to change. Um, so, you know, if it was something that was small and grumbly like the tendonitis, well, maybe you get away with it. If it's something, somebody's low back, you know, we tend to, the red flag goes up for us a little bit more and we mm -hmm. try and talk them into, here's what you're going to need to do. And yeah. I know you've worked with our son a little bit and the habits, the tools that you're giving him early in years are going to um, change his behavior and his exercise habits his whole life. So... You know, you're gaining the benefit of 10 to 20 years of, of doing it the right way rather than the wrong right. way. Right. You know, yeah. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's, there's, you know, for our business, not just our business, but like any trainer or anything else, the, the, the data for how to get someone to exercise is really clear that no one exercises for a long-term basis, really. Most of us don't. So if you told someone that you're going to die in six months because of your heart condition if you don't start exercising... People won't exercise. It's hard to get them to do it. But if you tell them you're going to feel better today, um, they're a lot more likely to do it. And for our purposes, for this conversation here, is that if you if you can tell them, listen, you're going to have more golf swings in your lifetime. You're going to play for 10 years longer if you do this stuff. That might be enough motivation to get someone to do something. All right. So if you have pain, go get it addressed, people. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a good word. Yeah. Great. Thank you for being on. This was uh, yeah, very enlightening. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah. I think awesome both of us have Champions Tour aspirations now. So. And you're eating. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
No pressure, though. No, no pressure. pressure. Right. <laughs> All right. Good. Thanks. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And with that, I need everyone to stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break for our commercial break from our sponsor, Morton Golf Sales. And after that, stay tuned for Jack Bergeroni. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, Bill here. I wanted to pause real quick to thank our sponsor, MortonGolfSales.com. Morton Golf Sales is the number one online retailer for all your golfing needs. From the newest clubs on the market to the classics that you can't find anywhere else, Morton Golf Sales has the best products and customer service at the lowest possible prices. Want to check out their huge online inventory of clubs, clothing, golf balls, accessories, and save 12% on your first order? Just use coupon code ROCKETS at checkout on mortongolfsales.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Now, back to the show. Mom's Beef Hash has a first name. It's from a can we see. But we all have another name. We call it untasty. We hate to eat it every day. And if you ask us why, we'll say... Cause mama's hash tastes like trash and we should feed it to the dog. Welcome to the Jack Burgeroni Experience. Welcome to this week's Jack Burgeroni Experience. What is Jack Burgeroni? Okay, you ask me this every single week. I know. And is you this the week we get to know? Do you see your mother sitting here? The week that we have your mom sitting down for Jack Burgeroni is the week everyone gets to find out what Jack Burgeroni is. All right. My what mom's you, name is not Jack Burgeroni. When are you going to book your mom on here? All right, we'll see. All right. All right, let's get her on. Okay. All right, this week, it's Turkey Week. It is Thanksgiving Week. This week, we're going to talk about the biggest turkeys in golf. Some the, of the biggest flops in golf. The biggest flops. Not like actual bird turkeys, because we have those out on our golf course, too. Yes. But we do. Yes. We're going to talk about the biggest flops in golf. And this is going to make us fans with all the golf manufacturers, I'm sure. But we don't care. We're going in. So we're not talking about, like, John Vondeveld's, you know... Who is that? Collapse at the British Open. We're talking about equipment introductions that weren't met with uh, a rounding... Uh, or even if they had some success initially or some sales, but really just didn't kind perform. Fizzled. Yeah, fizzled. Okay, all right. I think that's... I have one to start, and then that's probably about all that I have. Wilson's initial driver versus driver, which I thought was a genius marketing idea. I mean, how fabulous is it to have a show, driver versus driver, get everyone involved get all the hype all the marketing get an entire tv show all wrapped behind it boom major introduction right around this time i think the club was introduced yeah. on black friday uh release awesomeness then what happens usga comes in and says it's a non-conforming driver correct that totally took the legs out from under all of the uh, millions of dollars of marketing. Yes. So lame. Yes. Yeah. So. By the, you know, they had to end up having to recast all of the souls, and by the time it came to marketplace, all of their momentum was lost. Yeah. And the buzz just, was gone. Yeah. And besides the fact that it didn't meet the USGA specifications, it didn't have the greatest sound and feel, if you want to call it that. A lot yeah. of times golfers equate feel to sound. And people would come back from trying it and just, whether they were going to make it conforming or not, didn't want to have anything yeah. to do with it. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. I think the science was sound. It just got sabotaged right out of the gate. Yes. So since we're talking about drivers, I think Nike's SQ driver, they're the first, you know, widely produced square driver. Um, talk about sound, sound. on that there one. You go. Oh my gosh, it sounded like a tin can. Every Aluminum time you did it. baseball bat yeah. at whatever decibel level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to, you know, you have to give it to Nike. They were really trying to come up with some distinctively different products to kind of differentiate themselves in the marketplace. But, man, that was a big misstep. Yeah. I think you guys, I mean, so you're two for two on this and that sound is really important on what you introduce um, uh, to market. And uh, golfers like how something sounds. Um, one of the, one of our bestsellers still um, this isn't a flop. One of our best sellers still is Ping's original 1A putter because it sounds so pure, correct? It sounds distinctively different. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go. Let's keep going. What's another flop? Oh, uh, 
flop. How about, again, sticking with drivers and going back a while. I don't know if anyone in our audience remembers the power pod driver. What, what I know is Kenny that? Does. Yes. It sounds, like, it sounds like a Tide Pod. Did you put in your washing machine? <laughs> That's way, way in the future, Tide there's Pod. A, there's a golf club designer named Jim Flood who's made lots of unique designs over the course of his year. He, he actually worked for Tiger Shark and a variety of different companies, but the Power Pod... Is Tiger Shark still in business? They are not. So, But it, it, was, it was a virtually looks like round... Co- yes, a, like a circle ball of a golf club. Barely bigger than the ball. Chopped the the you know third of it off on it, and the face was literally a round circle on there. Right, and it had some length behind it, and the shaft was attached kind of in the center of this oblong circle, yeah. if you will, and was shut as could be, and yeah. had tons of loft on it. So, for it's like a training aid for the person oh, who yeah. sliced the golf ball. They actually they actually sold a lot of units. Yeah, but you could it, hit it over your left shoulder when you swung that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, for me, it would go left and then go further left. Uh, but yeah, it was it it started fast and then died a really fast death after that. So, yeah, I'll throw it since we're on drivers. I'll throw uh, Callaway's foray into non-conforming oh, drivers. Yes, I will never they tried forget. Tried to make a stand. Yeah, I'll never forget sitting in the audience down in Carlsbad. They were making a big announcement and it invited tons of their retailers down there. And on the stage was Ely Callaway and Arnold Palmer up there introducing the ERC driver. Um, which stood for Ely Reeves Callaway was his initials and talked about how um, golfers wanted to play better golf no matter what the rules are and that they were going to make it easier for the middle to higher handicap player to enjoy the game irregardless of USGA rules and it did that it was long as could be but man the public just never grabbed hold of that so it's I remember it it almost had a knuckleball effect there was so little spin on that club yeah. and if you didn't have the ability to get it uh get some loft on or elevated it just drove out of the air a lot of times for too, sure so. for sure yeah. yeah what else what about golf balls i mean or i don't know yeah taylormade had a golf ball called the inner gel golf ball that uh you know this was pre-tp series balls that uh they they put a whole bunch of time and energy over and uh it went nowhere uh wilson had a true golf ball you remember that golf ball where all of the weight was in the cover of the ball and it was very lightweight in the middle and the idea was that um, it could be more centered and your putts would actually go straighter um, and that I think lasted one whole season. <laughs> what was the, I'm sorry, what was the, what was the putter that you were talking about a couple weeks ago that the manufacturers claimed did one thing and yet it didn't do that. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yes. Uh, they had a putter called the Sea Groove. Um, and uh, basically it was a you know putter that had etchings that was kind of in an upside-down U on the face of it. And um, uh, in a uh, room that I was in with some very credible scientists, uh, their, uh, their proposal was that this, this Sea Groove imparted more uh, overspin on the ball and would skid less when you made the putt. And all of the scientists, and these are like genuine rocket scientists who are, you know, like the, you know, the head of engineering at Quebec University and places like that, um, all said that their claim did the exact opposite. And so, yeah. Although we, you know, yes putters did very well yeah, for a long time for a long and sold time. quite a few. So. Yeah. But uh, I think Dave Pelz's, uh three ball putter that he came out with so we sold lots of them but then the usga, yep, USGA made again. it illegal yep. and uh it, again it just died a slow death as well as well too um the odyssey's two ball putter is kind of the the new evolution modification and evolution of that yeah for sure so is that a flop i guess the first one is just because it was ruled non-conforming i think so yeah when we were talking about non-conforming i, I was going to say the golf ball i think it was called polera yes and it had with less dimples or no dimples on the seam because that was going to make the ball go dead straight. Yeah. And they encouraged winter rules of golf because you needed to move the ball wherever it was. Once you teed off and we're in the fairway or the rough, you had to place the ball again. So you were always striking it on that seam with no dimples. Does that right. sound right? Correct. And yeah. it would just fly dead straight. And uh, I don't think it lasted very long. So. No, no. 
Uh, it's come back in a couple evolutions, but certainly never got uh, got got a hold. I think, you know, we're our game is so traditional, and and we've got um, such uh, you know strong ties to the gentleman's game and rules. And I, I think anything that's ever come out that has been non-conforming to either the USGA or the RNA rules just has a tough go of it. You Definitely know? can. Yeah. I'd probably throw nearly every single infomercial golf club that's ever been introduced in this whole bucket of conversations to all of them. All of them. Wow. There's been some doozies. Probably lots of them have been purchased, but yeah. you know, they eventually don't last or there's something the new product comes on the on the horizon. Yeah. I mean the reality is is that, you know, they you know, Callaway's a good example. I mean, they're spending 30 to Forty million dollars on R and D every year. They're going to make a product that's really good compared to some little fly by night company that might have a cute idea. You that's know? guaranteeing you to improve whatever it is that they're your exactly. wedge game or your driving game or what have you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, Jennifer, what else do you have for us? That's all I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 One irons, two irons, probably belong in this conversation well, now, yeah. but not in the day. <laughs> Not in the day. Those were you had to have those They're clubs in your back. Bag. I mean, don't, but if, not in a traditional like, sense. Yeah, driving iron now with more mass and more weight down there for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Those think, are your flops. I think those are our turkeys. What are we missing, people? Leave us a leave us a note. Leave us a message. Come on to our Morton Golf Sales YouTube channel. Tell us what your biggest flops in golf are. I'm sure we're missing some because we didn't super prepare for this. I've lost my notes. I don't know what I did with those. So with that, we're going to bring this episode of not only Jack Bergeroni Experience to a close. I think we have a new episode of Golfing with Clay that you can stick around oh, for and gotta watch. Got to check that out. Yeah. So if you are um, just listening to us on podcast, you're going to miss that. So, And if you're um, watching us on, uh, on YouTube, that's going to be a real treat. And we thank you for watching us, and we will catch you next week on whatever whatever you're watching us on. So, uh, thanks again. Have a great Thanksgiving. Stay safe, and bye for now. Bye.